This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us on this Sunday morning. I mentioned this earlier. The West Coast Book Prize Society has announced the names of the finalists, all vying for recognition. There are seven categories in the 34th annual BC Book Prizes. But we are taking a look at the Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize. So we've done this the past couple of years, uh, talking to the authors of the books that have been nominated. And in today's first interview of uh, the season, we are joined by Andrea McPherson. She is the author of a book called What We Once Believed. Andrea, thanks so much for being with us again. For having me. Uh, I know we talked about uh, the book when it first came out, uh, which wasn't too, too long ago. Uh, but what's it like now that it's been nominated uh, for this prize? It's exciting. It's great, I think, in a time, especially when we're seeing um, less book coverage and less kind of arts funding to have these kind of prizes and awards to really shine a light on BC authors and, B- and authors writing about BC. It's, it's really exciting. Uh, it is indeed. And, and we touched on this before, uh, the the locality of it and the fact that this is a book that, that takes place, uh, it's in the summer of 1971, uh, Oak Bay. And and I think I recall you saying you, you did keep it true to the to the scene, that if people are in Oak Bay or they know Oak Bay, it's not as though you've made it into a different kind of fictional right. place. Yeah, for sure. I was very conscious of wanting to capture kind of the the feeling and atmosphere of um, Oak Bay specifically because of its place on the island and its place kind of a little bit away from what would have been, I guess, the metropolis of Vancouver. But having place and time was just as important to me as the other characters within the story. And do you find, do you, do you get um, people, do people pay more attention to that or are people quicker to question if they think that, uh, wait a minute, Oak Bay is not really like that or you, or you got this point wrong or something? Are they more, when we're talking about a real place, are you, are you opening yourself up for more criticism? I think Always, yes, that's the case. I, I haven't yet written a book that hasn't been based in a real place and a real time, and I've definitely gotten feedback from people who have found like tiny things that they don't think are accurate to the place and time, but I, I always feel like it's, it's important to really um, ground the readers and myself in some place that's real. I, I think it, it helps me try to capture um, something that's, that's um, accurate to place and time and how, how setting out always brings something out in the characters that it wouldn't if it was a made-up place or a made-up era for me. And how much research did you have to do as far as going back into that period of time when we're talking about protests uh, over the Vietnam War and yeah. talking about what was going on politically at that time? A lot of research. And I keep telling myself that I should stop doing historical pieces because there's so much research, but it keeps happening anyhow. It usually is um, like front-loaded, so I do a bunch of research before I start writing, but then there's always things that come up during the writing of the piece that I have to go back and research. So it's kind of an ongoing um, second process. It's the writing of the book, but also the research that is really important for me to feel like I know it well enough that I feel like I can say something about the time. And do the characters, do they, are they born from the research and that there are people that you find out about that maybe character traits or that, that spur the characters, or do you already have an idea for them? Uh, for this one specifically, I originally thought it was going to just be from maybe the 11-year-old's perspective, and then in the research, um, 
Robin and uh, Mary, who are secondary characters who kind of came to life, um, decided that they were more important than I thought they were. So definitely for this one, there was characters who came of the research and thinking about um, the women's movement and the like, the protests, etc. They kind of came from that. The research really inspired those characters as well. Mm, interesting. And, and the ending, I, I always love to ask authors this. Did you ha- did you know the ending before you wrote it? No, I never know the endings before I write them. I kind of, I go off of character mostly. So thinking about character and I start writing and I feel like I know where it's going to go, but it almost never ends up where I initially imagined it would be. So this one specifically, I had no idea what the ending was going to be. I didn't know um, what Camille's journey would be. I didn't know what it looked like for her to be back. And the ending surprised me as much as maybe it will surprise readers <laughs> along the way. <laughs> yeah, and, and how long did it take you from start to finish to, do, to, put, to, to write this book? This one, I think, was about 18 months from start to finish for the first draft. And then, of course, after that, there's always second, third, fourth times infinity drafts <laughs> for them. So um, it was... It was faster than, than some of my previous ones for the first draft, but I think I spent more time um, in the revision process for this one because there were characters who had um, appeared, and I hadn't had an idea at the beginning what they were going to do, so that took a little bit of finessing after the fact. And, and is, do you ever find with your books, too, uh, there's so much revision and rewriting. Once it's gone off, you obviously can't, can't do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you ever have remorse or think, oh, I should have changed that? I think there is there's always this idea that after it's, it's actually published out in the world, you go, oh, I wish I could have done, and you can think of a million things that you would have done differently, but I try not to focus on that too much and think about it's kind of a, an artifact of the time, that it was completed and finished, and I was satisfied with it then, and after, you have to kind of look back at it and go, um, it, it's done. There's, there's endless revisions you could do, but you have to just leave it where it is, so... It's a double-edged sword, for sure. It almost seems like writing a book, too, is almost like a painting. You need to know when to step away from it. A hundred percent. That you can, you can revise it until well, forever. You could never stop. But you have to think about, um, am I satisfied with it as a whole? Do I feel like it's saying what I wanted it to say? And kind of exactly what you said, step away from it at a certain point. And you mentioned, too, off the, off the top about uh, how things are, are changing when it comes to, to arts and culture and writing and such. Uh, how, how is it changing? Somebody who's, who's written several books, how do you see it changing as far as even the, the challenges when, when it comes to being a BC author? Right. Well, I think the, the biggest thing that I've noticed is there's a, there's a distinct shift in well, at least the big publishing houses um, from kind of building a career with a writer to wanting more that the first novel to be the big gone girl, et cetera, all those books. So there's a, a different kind of expectation, I think, for authors that where we might have once been looking at your first book being um, a, a stepping stone, now it's looked at more as that's the big flash in the pan, and after that it's all questionable. But to the other end of the spectrum, then we've seen a lot of smaller independent publishing houses really step up and take chances and take risks and publish really remarkable works that otherwise wouldn't be out in the world. So it's it's a, a shifting kind of time, and I think it's difficult in terms of funding, et cetera, but it's exciting as well because we're seeing all of these 
great novels and great authors and uh, voices that we might not have heard before being showcased with all of these independent presses and with, I guess, different, um, different outlooks by literary presses across the board. And has it changed, or how has it changed things for authors with the shift of so many people reading digital copies? I don't know. Honestly, that one is kind of a, a mystery to me because I don't know many people who actually read digitally, which is interesting. I still know people who are really invested in having a physical copy in your hands. I think for a while there was this concern that everything was going to go digital and no one would be interested in um, the actual kind of hard copy slash brick and mortar, etc. But I think there's been a shift back that people are um, re-energized by wanting um, hard copies for kind of the, I don't want to say nostalgia, but that they've realized that there's, there's value in having a book in your hand and then going into a bookstore. So I think it's an interesting kind of the pendulum swishing or moving back a bit in that way. Because certainly, I mean, if uh, the bookstore is even at, not just at Christmas time, but during the holidays, uh, I mean, walking into a bookstore, it was packed with lineups yeah. uh, every time. So people clearly are still buying physical books. Definitely. Definitely. And I think it was maybe a surprise even to the book selling industry that, that people thought, oh, yeah, okay, we have these, these readers now. You can have thousands of books. People are going to go to that. And then they did for a short period of time, but then they didn't. So I think it's kind of a surprise even to people in the industry that we're going back to the actual physical copy. Hmm. Uh, what's next for you? I am working on a novel in progress about the early 80s in BC, about the kind of uh, dual crises of Clifford Olson and John Horace Otten. Um, and I'm working on a collection of poems. Those are those seem like two very different projects. <laughs> they are very different <laughs> projects, definitely. Uh, they work well in tandem because if I'm hitting a block with one, I can shift to the other and kind of get some space and some breathing room. All right. Well, congratulations on being nominated for the prize. Thank and you. thank you so much again for taking some time and chatting with us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. All right. Have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. You too. That is Andrea McPherson. She is the author of What We Once Believed, and the book is up for a BC Book Prize, nominated in the Ethel Wilson Fiction Prize category. And we will do our best to bring all of the authors on this program. We like to talk to authors at this time in the show, and there are several other nominees. So we will do our best to get them on, and we can let you know a little bit about all of the books that are nominated. This one, we did talk about this last spring when the book first came out. Andrea was on the show. So if it sounds familiar, that is why we did talk about uh, the book and the character's name. The girl's name is Maybe, which stuck out in my mind because you don't meet a lot of maybes out there. But uh, there you have it. Once What we once believed, it is set in the 1970s in Oak Bay. Oak Bay as it is, not a fictional place. Uh, an interesting read, definitely. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com. The Radio Player Canada app, tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.